If you've ever thought of quilting your own projects but just don't know where to start, I have the perfect first steps for you. I've put together a PDF guide. I call it Three Steps Toward Freehand Freedom. These are the baby steps, but they can help you move past your overwhelm and show you that yes indeed, freehand quilting can be learned. So if you'd like to snag this PDF, there's a link in the show notes, or if you're an Instagram user, just message me three steps. That's the number three, S-T-E-P-S, and I'll send you that link. Let today be the day you get started. You know, my business needs to have a name that really reflects that passion. And I'm a firefighter and art quilter, so Quilter on Fire reflects me a little bit better. And uh, I'm having a lot of fun with that brand now. Welcome to Measure Twice, Cut Once, the podcast where we hear quilters and other crafters' stories and draw encouragement and even life lessons from them. I'm your host, Susan Smith, coming to you from my quilting studio, Stitched by Susan. This is where my long arm, Lucy, and I spend lots of hours doing freehand, edge-to-edge quilting. And if you're not a quilter and those terms mean nothing to you, it's basically doodling on the layers of a quilt with a 50-pound pencil with needle and thread attached at really high speeds. My philosophy is there's nothing as warm and comforting as a handmade quilt, and my mission is to get as many out in the world as possible. So I quilt for people, and I teach others to find freedom and joy in quilting for themselves. There are so many quilt makers, and just as many stories. Quilting, I think, has been a bridge between generations. It has soothed loneliness and chronic pain, and it's been a beautiful expression of art and creativity that spans countries and cultures. Joining me today to tell us her story is Brandy Maslowski. Today's Pins and Needles is brought to you by The Will and Dave Show. Hi, I'm the Will half of The Will and Dave Show, a short little podcast that myself and the eponymous Dave like to record talking about the things that really matter to us, whether that's social, political, or pop culture. Usually we don't see eye to eye, but more often than not, we can find some common ground in there somewhere. And now... Back to Pins and Needles with a quick tip for all you sharp quilters out there. Today, I have a great binding tip for you. So when you're applying binding to a quilt, you obviously, usually, machine sew it to one side and then wrap it around and either hand stitch or machine stitch it to the other side. So the tip is, once you've stitched that first side down, you've got all your mitered corners finished and all of that, take it to the ironing board and give it a good press. So fold it back on itself and press the binding you know, against and away from the quilt. And just that one simple thing will really reduce the fatigue on your hands when you're wrapping it around, whether your hand or machine stitching the other side down. So press your binding before you begin the second round of stitching. You all know I love my coffee. And if you're interested in supporting this podcast, you can go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash stitched by Susan, where for the price of one delicious coffee, you're able to make a one-time contribution. This helps me keep batteries in stock for my microphone and enables me to keep bringing you these weekly episodes. Thanks so much for your support and maybe take a moment now to refill your cup as you settle back to enjoy today's interview.
today, Brandy Mislowski is joining me on the podcast. And Brandy is a very accomplished quilter. From judging quilts to hosting retreats and travel sessions to being an author of a children's book to lectures and workshops. And even within her workshops, just a broad variety of skills are touched on from improv piecing to original pieces of fiber art to screen printing. Truly broad, broad range of skills that Brandy has. Truly the quilter on fire. So I really want to delve into a few of those topics today. But first off, tell us how you came to be the quilter on fire. Where did that name come from? Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me. First of all, I'm really excited to be here. It's always a pleasure to have the tables turned and be the podcast guest for a change. So this is so fun for me. Um, But yeah, how did the Quilter on Fire come about? So I have been quilting for 30 years and I've really used it as, you know, my my calming, you know, it calms my mind. I've been having a lot of fun with it. And it just, it's the great part of my day that really gives me some peace. And so um, I started quilting early on in my firefighting career and I used it as a stress reliever. And so as I gradually fell in love and, you know, started this passion for quilting that became fiber art, I just, you know, I thought, you know, my business needs to have a name that really reflects that passion. And I'm a firefighter and art quilter. So it just really was a good fit. So Quilter on Fire kind of became the name. After a few years of being in business as Brandy Lynn Designs, I thought, well, Quilter on Fire reflects me a little bit better. And uh, I'm having a lot of fun with that brand now. It's, you know, I even have hats that say live your fire. So it's kind of a fun theme to have. It sure is. I always enjoy a good play on words, but that one is so descriptive. It it suits you perfectly. So kind of what, is there a specific thing that brought you into quilting? Like how did that become your therapy, if you will, your, your calm? Yeah, absolutely. Well, when I first started quilting, I I was kind of a voracious crafter. I really just enjoyed making things with my hands. I was quite young in my early twenties and um, a friend of mine just came up to me and said, you know, you're kind of crafty. Can you make a quilt for me? My, I want to make a quilt for my great grandmother. And I, I said, you know, what? I could give it a try. So I, I worked at a craft store and I actually worked in the fabric department at a craft store. Um, but I'd never actually made a quilt or even sewn a thing. I didn't even have a sewing machine. So I pulled out my mom's old Singer sewing machine. It was actually beige, you know, those old ones. And I figured out how to get the thing working and I plugged away on this quilt. And it really took me forever to create the quilt. It was hard to figure it out. I didn't have any idea where to go to figure out how to do it. And she even wanted photo transfers on the quilt, which was another hold, like a very difficult element. No kidding. Um, so I worked, I finally got this quilt done the day of the party. And I actually had to deliver it in person because I barely finished it on time. And when I handed this quilt to my friend to give, I think it was her grandmother, not her great grandmother. But when I handed it to her to give to her grandmother, um, when she opened it, she put it straight on the wall. She was so excited about it. All the photos of her as a child with her family were on it. And the look on her face just had me hooked. I thought, you know, if this kind of thing can bring people so much joy, this is what I'm going to try to do. So yeah, that got me started. And don't you just find that in the quilting community? It is all about the connections, yeah. the stories, the people, the moments. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So do you have a favorite project that you've worked on over the years or conversely a super challenging one that you want to tell us about? 
Yeah, I've had so many favorites. It's kind of hard to narrow it down to one, but I'd have to say that I think my quilt that I made for Quilts of Valor has been one of my favorites because it's brought me so much joy. Um, I ended up turning it into a pattern. So I guess I'll get back into the story. I, I had my podcast back in 2013 to 2015 when I originally started, and I challenged my listeners to make a Quilt of Valor. And I got a phone call from a friend on the Lower Mainland, and she said, I can't wait to see what you're going to make. And I thought, oh, my goodness, I guess if I'm challenging everyone to do this, I better make one myself. And so I designed this quilt, and I just was going to make one, and I, I sent it into Quilts of Valor, actually. And the person running it at the time came back and said, do you think we could hand this at the, uh, hang this up at the IPSC Support Centre in Petawawa, Ontario? And I was just, I was astonished that they thought it would be a good fit. I said, yes, of course, I'm honored. And so I decided, well, I better make another one quickly. So I, I made the exact same thing. And luckily I had written everything out that I had done. And uh, when I handed in the second one, they said, can we hang this one as well? And I said, okay, well, how many of these support centers are there across Canada? And they said 30. So I was just thrilled about this. I couldn't believe that they liked it and they thought it was a good fit. So I just said, okay, well, I'm going to challenge quilters to volunteer to do this. And on the next podcast, I announced it. And I said, we're looking for volunteers. I'll send you a free pattern. I made it into a pattern. And uh, within two weeks, we had volunteers. And it was no problem. We had 30 quilts in support centers across Canada within a few months. So it was really kind of an exciting project. And this is sort of the one quilt that just keeps bringing me joy again and again, because I get emails and messages on Facebook all the time and I see posts on Facebook of finishes of this quilt and then I put them on a Pinterest page and I've got over a hundred photos of quilts made by people who've bought the pattern and it brings me so much joy to see the variations as well because they get creative and they make a king size quilt or they do it in a different color scheme like purple or blue or something fun so um, I get so much joy out of that so that is the one quilt that has brought me just immense joy. That's fantastic. I didn't actually mention in the intro that you are Canadian. I am as well, although I no longer live in Canada. I'm a transplant into foreign soil. Um, <laughs> but do, do you travel a fair bit cross borders or do you generally teach travel, etc. within Canada? I have taught all over Canada mostly. Um, I did do one show in the U.S., but like as you know, we're probably, um, as you probably know, um, we can't really teach in the U.S. Um, so I've gone to volunteer guest judge one show in the U.S., which has which was really fun. So I didn't get paid for it, but I had so much fun. It was part of my learning process as a quilt judge. Right. So yeah, I primarily. But now that we're teaching on Zoom, I am teaching all over the U.S., which has been great. I've taught over 60 lectures and workshops over the pandemic on Zoom. And I've been having so much fun because they, they haven't really discovered me in the US. And so I'll teach one in California. And then all of a sudden, boom, 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 um, another bunch of local guilds will pick me up and all of a sudden I'll have seven. So it's really been exciting to spread out into the US and meet all these amazing new quilters. Mm -hmm. That is one wonderful thing, actually, about the pandemic is I feel like mm -hmm. a lot of the quilter demographic is heavy on the, you know, over 55 age. And so 18 months ago, many of them were not comfortable at their computers or attending a Zoom lecture. And now they are. And so it has expanded yeah. horizons. 
Yeah. And the greatest thing about teaching on Zoom is the joy that you see from quilters who haven't seen each other in a while. You know, you get on 15, 20 minutes before and they're saying, hey, how are you? And they're so excited to see each other because they miss each other. And yeah, so it's such a great way to start off every class. And yeah, I love that. That is really fun. So I'm kind of bouncing around with my questions, but things that you say are prompting questions in my mind. So I'm going to back up just a hair. You mentioned that you began your quilting journey on your mother's older sewing machine. So I'm curious, so many quilters that I know kind of collect sewing machines or have favorites or pals or name them. Is that a thing you do? Yeah, I've had two sewing machines along the way since that singer. And, um, you know, I didn't name my first Bernina, but I did name my most recent sewing machine, which I've only had for two years. It's a Husqvarna. Um, And I thought, you know, in actually in the profile in that there's sort of this iPad thing right on the sewing machine. So in there, you have this option to name your sewing machine. I thought, oh, that's kind of interesting. I'm going to name my sewing machine after my mom, because when I had my child, which is a boy, um, I named him after my dad, Gavin Patrick Maslowski. My dad's name is Patrick, and I never did have a girl. And so when I named my sewing machine, um, Miss Ray, after my mom, that's my mom's middle name, um, my mom was quite delighted because she thought, well, if you don't have a child, you're going to name after me. Sewing and quilting is your thing. So that's an honor. (laughs) She thought that was was pretty great. (laughs) That's fantastic. So another service or maybe lecture that you offer is helping quilters organize and streamline and make their sewing space kind of a mini retreat. And I think you call it Studio Magnificent. Tell us more about that and maybe in a few sentences, um, give our listeners a step or two that they could start with to start making their their space one they love to be in. Yeah, absolutely. This is kind of a lecture that I fell into because, you know, I was challenging myself to, you know, sort of reply to prompts and magazines to get my studio featured or get my quilts featured and things like that. And so I I was reading my favorite magazine way back in 2010. And I, you know, I thought, you know, should I apply for this? It's it's asking for you to feature your studio. And my studio was tiny, nine by 12 at the time. And I thought, well, I'll write an article about small space storage and, you know, tucking away things and having multi-use items and things like that. So I wrote an article and I actually got accepted. So I, I was the kind of person who needed to challenge myself to clean my studio all the time because I'm an absolute mess. I'm an art quilter and I, I just do project upon project and I leave messes everywhere. So I started a blog challenge to force myself to keep my studio clean because I thought if I show a before, I've got to show an after. And I kept doing that over and over again. And then I applied for the magazine and they said, yes, they accepted my article and I had to do a photo shoot of my tiny little space. And and then I moved across Canada and I thought, I wonder if they'll accept my a new article and my new studio. And then they did. So two years in a row, I was in Studios Magazine featuring my studio. And I kind of realized 
I need something to keep myself going to keep doing this. If I'm going to keep my studio clean, challenging myself really works and putting it out there so that others have this expectation really works. So I started writing this lecture and I thought, you know, every time I do this lecture, I'm going to have a spotless studio because I'm going to do a little studio tour at the end. So it really forces me to continually clean my studio. And especially over the pandemic, I've done this lecture uh, 30 times over the pandemic. It has been my most, um, my most booked thing. And so um, every time I sit down, the first thing I say is, I'm just like you. I'm no different than anyone else. My studio is an absolute disaster. And this lecture keeps me grounded. And so I'll give you a couple tips since you asked for it. And yes, really the, t the tips that I like to say the most are, number one, forgive yourself and just move on. That's the most important thing because even though I teach this, I'm no expert. I mean, there's no university degree in organization. Maybe there is, but I haven't found it. And I just have all these little tips and tricks that I use. So the first thing is forgive yourself and move on. And when you're talking about organizing, I think the best thing to do is clear the, the stuff that haunts you the most first. It's that stuff that you really just want to get off your shoulder. So take a look around and figure out, do I have one area that really just keeps getting messed up again and again? Maybe it's a junk drawer. Maybe it's your, your full surface where you're cutting and it's just a dumping ground. Really try to organize the spaces that you that would allow you to be the most creative and then you'll be able to have that spot. And then the last thing I would say is you don't need to spend a ton of money to organize your studio. I'm extremely thrifty. I th I'm from Winnipeg and I lived there for 40 years before I moved to BC. And I think it's known as the thrift capital of Canada. <laughs> but <be> true. <laughs> I, yeah, I have, um, I have always looked around my home first to find storage items and things I can use. I've always, I've made storage. I've, you know, covered boxes with beautiful paper and fabric. I've looked in um, dollar stores to find great solutions. Um, but instead of spending 20 or $30 on a little bin, always check out the dollar store and check out something you can do at home first, and then that'll save you some money. I agree completely, because mm -hmm. it, it's all too easy to look at the picture perfect mm -hmm. examples sometimes in magazines or TV shows and think, oh, I aspire to that. But you can create a beautiful space on a really little yeah. budget. So thanks for inspiring us to do that. I appreciate that. Okay, switching gears once again, I want to hear about your children's book, Christie's Quilt, right? Yeah. Oh, I love, I loved this whole process. So this quilt, uh, this quilt book was um, sort of created because I thought, you know, I was so inspired by this little girl. So I went to a retreat every year for about five years in a row in Winnipeg, and it was called the Pinewood Retreat. And there were up to 50, 50 of us some years. And so what we did was we went to this retreat every year, and there was a young child who lived there with her parents who ran the lodge. And so one year she came out and set up her machine and everything. So when we arrived at the retreat, she was all ready to make her first quilt at just 10 years old. And so it was really interesting because one once she had her machine out, she was ready to go, but she had no thread, no fabric, no nothing. And she was waiting for Wendy, who had told her the year before that she'd help her make a quilt. And this year, Wendy happened to be ill. So she wasn't able to attend the retreat. And so all of the quilters got together. And we all grabbed all the fabric we had that looked like it would be good for kids. We set her up with thread and we all took turns teaching her one method or another. And over the entire weekend, Christy created a, skill, a 
quilt. She created a quilt from start to finish, including the color choices, the cutting, the piecing. She even appliqued butterflies on top, raw edge applique, and she hand binded it herself. So she had her quilt ready for the grand show and tell on the last day. And it was so fun. So she inspired me so much because she was just, you know, methodical and determined. And it was such a good example of a little female protagonist that I just had to put her in a book. So I had a lot of fun with that. I totally agree. So I'll be sure to put a link in the show notes um, to your website so people can find that book. Are there other places that they can purchase it? Just my website. It's in a few quilt shops across Canada. And you can always ask your local quilt shop to see if they'll bring it in. But yeah, it's always available on my website. Perfect. So when I next get to travel to Canada, I will look for that for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Fantastic. Okay. You also do retreats kind of semi-local to you and you do Mm -hmm. worldwide travel. Tell me about some of those tours. Maybe the retreats first. Sure. Yeah. I do one retreat. I have my... um, my Ignite Okanagan retreat every year. And uh, I, you know, this year it's going to be in November. I actually am still in the final decision-making process as to whether I'm having it this year because of the pandemic, but I've had it two years in a row and we've had so much fun. I can fit up to 15 women or men, doesn't really matter. I've always had women so far, Um, but um, yeah, we have so much fun. It really is the kind of retreat that is luxury. The food is gourmet. It's on the waterfront, you know, um, the the hotel is very fine and it, it's kind of like um yeah it's really a spoil spoil yourself rotten type of retreat and you bring your own projects what you want to work on and i do every day at 10 o'clock i do a little fiber art um you know a daily demo in the morning we have morning motion where we're walking along the waterfront or we do a nature trail uh, every day we have um all kinds of we have snacks and gourmet food the meals are incredible uh, we go to a few excursions so there's a couple of local quilt shops we go to and uh, each evening there's a wine event which is really fun nice. you can imagine all of us sort of hanging around drinking wine and doing a tasting and having fun with that there's also a big welcome reception and then on the last day on sunday well monday's the last day but on sunday we have massage so there's all kinds of fun things going on throughout the retreat and you can see the itinerary right on my facebook page if you find the event on my facebook page then you can take a look at the entire itinerary lovely that sounds wonderful and the okanagan in november i bet is just beautiful i mean it's a beautiful region but the weather would be gorgeous in november too yeah, it is a part of Canada that's really mild. And so November is, it's just a real nice temperate climate. And we've had everybody going in the hot tub and everything, even though it's November. So it's been great. So I'm curious, does the sewing get better after a wine tasting or worse? <laughs> <laughs> well, generally after the wine tastings, people head off to bed. But I'm the kind of retreater who tends to stay up really late and I prepare for the next day. And usually there's three or four quilters who will stay up late with me till at least midnight. And I'm telling you, we have a lot of smiles and laughters. So I'm not sure if the sewing gets better, but it might get quicker. <laughs> but but good we times. do have a lot of fun. Yeah, that's Good right. times had by all, I'm sure. Okay, so you also do some long trips. And I I wasn't clear in looking on your website as to whether you host these or whether you're just kind of inviting people to come along on these quilting tours that are overseas. 
Yeah, I am called the host. So I'm actually not the company that hosts them. I'm kind of like the happiness factor. So I'm bringing you to a quilt show and from a judge's perspective and having a lot of fun with it. I'm making sure that you're comfortable. You've got everything you need. There's no questions. You just, it's kind of like the type of trip that you can just sign up for and be happy that everyone's planning. Someone is planning everything for you. Um, so I've done a, a cruise so far. I, I did the quilting cruise where I brought 50 women and that was just a blast. We went to Hawaii. Um, I had another cruise booked, but of course, over the pandemic, it was canceled. And I have a few trips coming up this year in 2022. I have um, England and Japan booked. And then in 2023, I'm going to be doing France and Morocco. So the entire itineraries will be on my website. They're, they're still coming up, of course. So you'll always be able to check my website under travel. And uh, I'm really excited to announce that I'm going to have a brand new website in the middle of August this year. So I got a little grant and so I'm upgrading everything there. So I'll have a much more beautiful interface for people to look at and you'll be able to see all those quilting travel destinations on there. That's really exciting. I find yeah. that that's a, a real challenge for an entrepreneur, for a you know, single business owner is um, being the jack of all trades and being the website yeah. designer. So how fun for you that you get to have one help with one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so thrilled about it. And, you know, it's, it's kind of exciting because people are already asking me about the travel destinations. I think people have been so cooped up. I'm getting emails. I've had about six or seven emails saying, okay, when are these happening and what's going on? So I think people are ready for their post pandemic retreats and travel and they just want to get, get out of the Dodge and do something wonderful. So I'm sure that's true. What, what do you envision on the one to Japan? That intrigues me because I've quilted some recently on some Japanese textiles that were just mm -hmm. out of this world. So does your tour include chances to shop or quilt shows to attend or what types of things are on that tour? Yeah, so it's a different time of year than the biggest quilt show. So the biggest quilt show in Japan is usually in January. So that one is cancelled for the next couple of years. They haven't rescheduled it yet. So they've booked this tour later in the year. I believe it's June, end of May, beginning of June. And what they're doing is they're trying to book it at a time when there's a different smaller quilt show. So we're still waiting on whether that quilt show is going to happen. But other than that, it's a gorgeous textile tour. So we're going to learn about all kinds of stitching. There's going to be definitely going to be opportunities to shop. So we'll see all kinds of different processes. So yeah, it's really kind of, um, you know, it's just an an out of country expedition type of thing where you're seeing a completely different culture and your senses are just full. It, the wonder is amazing. Like you, you can't, I've been to China and just to be in a culture that's completely different where you, you literally don't even speak the language, you have to have an interpreter. Um, but it's just so exciting to see the different take. The quilting is just so different. I, I, it's hard to explain until you actually see it, but it really is wonderful to see. So what kind of research do you need to do for an event like that? Like, do you really beef up on your knowledge of that country and its textiles before you go? How would one go yeah. about doing that? Absolutely. I have the luxury of the tour company giving me all of the information. So I literally just have to read it and pour through photos. And if I find something I've never heard of, a style or something, I will just look it up, you know, and really research it before I get there. There's going to be a few trips that I've never been on before that I'm actually taking people on for the first time. But we have the, the luxury of this incredible company who's created everything for us. And it's that comfort zone. You know, you don't have to figure out where you're going to 
go every day or find out what you're going to do. And since I'm the host, I haven't even been to some of these places. So I have the luxury of I can connect with them immediately and say, okay, something's not right or whatever. If I have a question the day before, I have, you know, the information is at my fingertips. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. I'm sure you're greatly looking forward to that. I will follow those closely on your web t- website to see what's coming up shortly. Let's see. I guess I want to ask kind of as we wind down, what, if you can summarize, what is your big takeaway from quilting all these years or an aha moment or a life lesson? It doesn't even have to be huge. Just what is something that quilting has meant to you that you'd like to share with other quilters? Oh, absolutely. So I have this tagline for my business and, you know, it's more joy and less overwhelm. And what it really is about is your passion. I really want to encourage quilters to live their fire. And throughout the years as a firefighter and as a quilter, you know, I think anyone, not just me, but anyone will encounter people who, you know, are maybe they're trying to bring them down or encourage them to do something else, or I'm really not sure, but I've always found that when someone questions you or says, who do you think you are? They really don't have a right to do that. It's up to you yourself to, you know, define your path. And so quilting has always helped me heal from the stress and the trauma that I saw in firefighting. And it's also helped me to sort of create my own path and be my own person. And whether someone feels I should be, you know, um, creating my next pattern or being a quilt judge or doing what I love, it really doesn't matter. It's allowed me to move on and do what I love. So I really think that in my lectures and, you know, I tell that story in my lecture about firefighter to quilter and some of the troubles that I went through. And if just one quilter learns from that lecture that they can spend a little less time with someone who brings them down and a little more time with someone who lifts them up, then, then I've, I've made my point and I've done my thing. So I'm happy with that. You sure have. Well, we have to chat one more minute, though, about your podcast, also called Quilter on Fire. Now, you are a much more experienced podcaster than I, so this was just a tad bit intimidating today. But what is your current podcast about? It's about stories, too, yes? Yes, absolutely. It is all about the quilter's story. And it's quilters, fiber artists, anyone in in the world that we love, the passion we have for quilting. And it's really about taking the listener from here to there. So I, I tackle a topic sometimes with the quilter. And I have a range of people who are absolutely famous that I can't even believe they're going to be my guest all the way down to a mom who made a coat of many colors for her daughter because her daughter loved Dolly Parton. So I just really love to feature amazing people and share their stories just like you and have so much fun with it. And I think the greatest joy that I get out of the podcast is the feedback or response. I even even when someone says, wait a minute, it's one o'clock, where's your podcast? And I'm struggling with something, trying to get it out on time. Uh, the fact that they're there and they're waiting for me and I get these repeat listeners week after week, it's just, just a, such a joy for me that, you know, I have this community that I've built around myself. It just brings me so much joy. So I'm having a lot of fun with it. It does make some amazing connections. And, you know, we talked about that briefly earlier. That's one of yep. the most wonderful things about the quilting world is the generosity and the camaraderie and the community among the people. Yeah. So. yeah. All right. Absolutely. Any last words for us? 
Any last words? Maybe events that you have on the horizon. I mean, we've talked about the travel, obviously, but do you have, you know, a new book or a new lecture or something coming out that listeners will want to know about? Yeah, I do. Let me just find the date of it. Oops, my I unplugged my mouse. I'm like, why is my mouse not working? <laughs> okay, let me just go to my calendar for a second because July 14th, I believe. Sorry, let me move this over. I believe July 14th, I have a big lecture, a big thing. Um, let me just find it. I want to find the time for you so I can say, okay, July 14th. Okay. So on July 14th, I will be on Quilt Talk with Valerie Prido, and I'm really excited about it because for the first time, I'll be doing a lecture about quilt travel destinations. So I'll be talking about behind the scenes, some fun anecdotes, and just telling some stories. So if you um, if you if you Google search Quilt Talk, um, you'll be able to find that, and then you can sign up. And I think it might be um, a $10 fee or something like that, but it's going to be a really great lecture featuring all the quilt travel destinations that I'm looking forward to. So you're really going to whet our appetite for those upcoming I know. Everyone's so excited about (laughs) traveling. So I want to get into that and have some fun. That is pretty exciting. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Where is the easiest place for listeners to find you? We've talked about your website. I don't know if you've actually said what it is. Yeah, my website is quilteronfire.com and you can simply search Quilter on Fire everywhere on social media. I love to interact with people. I've been actually even having some fun on TikTok lately. I'm on Instagram, YouTube, and uh, and Facebook, of course. So yeah, anywhere you find Quilter on Fire, that's where I'll be. Wonderful. Thanks so much for joining me, Brandy. It has been a pleasure. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. And thank you for tuning into the show. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider taking a moment to leave a review on Apple Podcast or the podcast app of your choice. It really helps other listeners to find the show so they can hear these stories too. For information on the classes I offer or quilting services, please see my website, stitchedbysusan.com. If you're a long-arm quilter and looking for freehand tips, take advantage of the live and unscripted events hosted on my Facebook page and replayed on my YouTube channel, Stitched by Susan. And if pictures are your preference, check out my Pinterest galleries of edge-to-edge and custom quilting projects. These direct links can all be found in the show notes below. So, until next time, may your sorrows be patched and your joys be quilted.